It is 11 after 4, as you heard just prior to the uh, top of the hour. Dr. Payne Show is on the air. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have pain, health concerns. This is why you're here, man. You answer a ton of phone calls, get that ball rolling anyway. Enlighten some people. I, I do and, my uh, best. And educate. I do my best. Right? I try. What's going on this week, pal? Um, it's Actually, I, I wanted to talk about, I had a few people this week. It was actually kind of interesting. Um, work-related injuries, but not not like major trauma-related injuries, mainly repetitive strain-sprain stuff. Right. Um, and actually, a couple of the people that I saw, without going into their individual cases, the story wasn't all that different. The areas that they were aching in were different because they did different types of jobs, but overall, um, you know, the tone of the story was the same, and it basically came down to they're at work, they're trying to do stuff, it repetitively hurts. When they're not at work, their issue is fine. Um, the biggest thing that I found was there weren't modifications being made at work um, for these people in, to minimize their issue. And, you know, it, it is your right as a worker that if you have an injury that's a result of whatever you're doing at work, you can go, go on WSIB and get treatment for that and get WSIB to recommend um, recommendations and things like that in order to, you know, minimize those things. And so, you know, the example is I was talking, now here's the other thing. I was talking with one person who was talking about that work still hasn't uh, got the expensive chair, the desk, all of those things. Right. And, and you know, you know my belief on this. You can have the most expensive chair in the world. You can have the best desk. You can have everything. You can have every toy out there that, from an ergonomic perspective. The very basic fact is this, we are not meant to be in a static posture for a prolonged period of time or any given posture for a period of time or doing the same thing that's even not static, maybe dynamic like a repetitive motion over a prolonged period of time. You need to take breaks from the things that you're doing. So what does that mean? If you are sitting, if your job means that you're sitting on a computer, then you have to every 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes maybe, Offset by offset that by not sitting and not being on your computer. The break in your case is moving. Correct. Right. If you are someone who is on a factory line and you're doing the same repetitive yep. work, well, your break means that you need to stop doing that. Maybe it does mean you should be sitting down. Right. And so this is the thing. And now I was dealing with a person who essentially said, well, you know, my job, I, I can't do that. I don't have that time. And it's like, listen, I, breaks, when I say break, like if you're working on a computer, I'm, I'm not saying you have to break for 15 minutes. I'm talking about a minute, a minute and a half of something different. You walk around your desk, water you stretch, cooler. whatever. Yeah. Um, everyone's got time for that. And if you don't, then then I think there's other issues there, right? Whether that's, you know, maybe a, a very hectic work environment or an on, unaccommodating work envi- environment. But, I mean, I think everyone could build in those small breaks, right, that you do for yourself. And it's very, very important because if you don't do those things, well, then you're just asking for problems. I, I, one person that I met was doing something repetitively, um, but they had tools that they could be using at work that would have made this repetitive motion better. And I said, well, why don't you use this? And they basically said, well, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit more time consuming. It's like, well, that's not your problem, right? Your problem, mm-hmm. your job is to do what you need to do, but do it in a way that's safe for you, that doesn't hurt you. So, you know, if, if work is provided that, that's another thing. A lot of people the workplace does have things that you could be doing to make 
uh, minimize the the impact of repetitive strain, spraying things like that. Some people just choose not to do them because it's those things are often not easy, right? Like, oh, now I got to go grab this big ladder in order to climb to this level versus right. if I just step up on this piece of wall here, I can get there much easier. Well, no, you should be doing the things that work has set out for you yep. uh, in the proper way. So I thought it was interesting that there was... Uh, this kind of uh, topic on workplace injuries that I saw, because I saw quite a few people with that. And it's funny, sometimes I I end up seeing the same things. Uh, But I mean, anybody out there suffering from a work-related injury, now that doesn't necessarily mean like, people think work-related injuries means you have to like, you know, be walking, you slip, you fall, and there's big trauma there. No, it could also be you're working at your desk, you're there repetitively, your shoulders are really aching, they're aching more than they usually have. Sometimes you need to be, on some type of time off to let that yeah. type of uh, injury heal. And and that's where WSIB and working with a good healthcare provider comes into play. If you s- seriously are hurt, right? Like, you know, there's a way for us to identify is someone truly hurt or are they what we would call malingering? Like, is there secondary gain involved mm-hmm. where maybe they just want time off of work right. and, and we can start to see those things. But I'm, I'm speaking to the people that are truly hurt. If you have something going on, because of work. It doesn't matter if it's just, it's a sore wrist and you don't think that's a big deal. Well, that sore wrist can become a big deal. So um, you need to get that stuff looked at sooner rather than later. And if there's ways to modify your work uh, in order to to minimize um, the, the impact of that injury or the likelihood of that injury continuing to reoccur, then that's very, very important. And work needs to be notified of this. And take the time to go to your doctor, get them on board, get them to write about the injury, and then your workplace has a duty to accommodate. Absolutely, you, right? yeah. Absolutely. That's well, that's what I mean. You have right. to get it documented. You bet. We'll take a, a short break here. Phone calls, lines open. Uh, have at her at 1110-416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell Dr. Payne Show continues. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 1112 Dr. Payne Show. You know, it's funny. The, two weeks ago, you and I were both kidding about, you know, oh, we're, I got to go do this today. Imagine if I hurt my back. I had to go move and help move my niece. And near the end of the day, I picked up my little, I guess, uh, my niece's kid. I don't know. He's small. Whatever relationship he has to me. My second cousin. <laughs> whatever. He's, I don't know. He's 18 months old. He weighs about 10 pounds. Oh, really? You did the same thing. Well, injuries. I, I didn't pick it up. I didn't do a picking up a kid. But you are the the example of what mm-hmm. I always talk about. You moved and you were fine yep. because you're thinking I need to be careful when I'm lifting. I'm not going to use. I'm going to bend this way. I'm going to do this. Yep. I'm not going to twist. Blah blah blah. You're you're cognizant of it. But then as soon as you go to do something dumb, something that you don't think can hurt you, like pick up a seven pound baby, boom, you hurt yourself. Right, and yep. that's the example. Uh, mine was different. Mine was I was doing some stuff around the house. And then I was going to go golfing later that day with a right. colleague. And he's like, you know, that's how you end up hurting your back when you do too much. Like, Shut up. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, ah, whatever. And, you know, sure enough, on the 10th hole, I took a swing and hurt my back. On the 10th hole? Didn't even get through hole. the whole day? No. I, I finished. Yeah, I finished. Wow. Uh, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't good, the rest, but I finished. But, yeah, so I'm suffering right now. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell. This is uh, ringing true all around. In yeah. fact, it's gone as far as, <laughs> as family. My... Uh, my sister-in-law, Cammie, for the last two weeks, and I feel for her because I've been suffering with lower back pain since I was 21. She is all messed up. She's uh, taught to you. She's trying to get treatment. She's trying to get through the pain threshold, and uh, she has a prescription for pain meds, which hasn't been filled yet, so I yelled at her for that last night, and <laughs> uh, I gave her some other stuff to help it. Cammie, my sister-in-law is here. Hi. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? How's the back, man? Oh, you know what? It's a tiny bit better this morning, but I'm really struggling. 
Yeah. So yeah. you so you were at the clinic getting treatment. Um, uh, yes. How did you? Wonderful coworker. He was good. He yeah. did some uh, movements. You know, he did spend a good time to try and pinpoint where the problem was. Right. And he finally figured out that it was a, the piriformis muscle. Okay. Uh, and he's, you know, he recommended a couple of things. And he said, if I were you, I would, you know, let's try the acupuncture, mm-hmm. which I've never done before. Okay. Um, so we did that. And then um, the problem was after that was done, it was no. great. Uh, lifting me up to get me back up to the sitting position was, was excruciating pain. Right. Um, so, and then I got home that night. I, I found, I, I was hoping that that would have maybe made things better. But mm-hmm. that same night when I got up, it was like paralysis again. I got up in the middle of the night. I couldn't even stand up. Once I did, it took me like 10 minutes to actually move from one spot to the next. So so let's go through this a little bit. So you have yeah. low back pain or no low back pain? It's actually not low back pain. Okay. It's more to the butt, like okay. the buttocks area. Yep. And it radiates down to the, like down the thigh, mm-hmm. but not up to the ankle, just a little bit before the ankle. So into the calf? Yes. Okay. And this, and what happened when this started? Uh, well... You know what you think? What what triggered it? Yeah, like were you doing something, or it just kind of came out of nowhere? It's it's craziness. I mean, you say to yourself, "I've had back pain before," that you're never gonna not never not stand up or not bend your knees. You're gonna make sure you do all that stuff. And just routine stuff. I was cleaning that day, Mm -hmm. and instead of bending my knees to clean the bathtub, I sort of like bent bent over. Okay. And I felt that sudden jerk of pain, uh, sudden pain when I sort of lifted up. So I think that's what uh, that's what uh, started. And and if you cough or sneeze, does that bother you at all? Uh, no. No. Okay, good. No. And um, no numbness, tingling, nothing in your foot, nothing like well, that? The tingling, the tingling, the, it's more like a spasm yep. um, at the, when I get up in the night. Like, okay. I've, I've slept for, you know, a couple hours type of thing. Okay. So because of the lack of movement, I think that's what it is. It's trying to get back, I guess, movement of the muscles by standing up. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that's what really hits me is the pain there. There. Yeah. So, so I mean, so... You know what we can what we can determine right off the bat is obviously you have a sciatica type of presentation, which just means you have leg radiation from the nerve. The right. question becomes, okay, what's aggravating the nerve? And based on what you're telling me, what what Dr. Rossi said was mm-hmm. that it was the piriformis muscle, which is very happens very very often. Now, I, I I very rarely see where just one muscle in isolation is the problem. It's it's probably a bunch of muscles in that area oh, that I are see. putting pressure on. On the nerve that's creating your symptoms. Now, J- John mentioned that you got a prescription for T3s, but you haven't filled it out. No, no. So, so this is you know, and I, and I think I think it's good for people to be cautious with medication mm-hmm. uh, right. for sure, right? Because you don't you don't want to become addicted to anything or or take anything you don't need to. But there is a time and a place. And what I always say with medication, like medicine is like the fire department. You don't call the fire department when you just need to maintain stuff. That's when you would be doing your rehab exercises, things like right. that. But all of a sudden, when there's a fire, you need the fire department right. and, you need, and, and you need the firefighters. That's what the medicine is for. You, you've you got a fire going on right now. That back mm-hmm. is inflamed. Those muscles are in spasm. I, I probably think there's probably a better combination of things like a probably a muscle relaxant and some type of anti-inflammatory versus a T3, uh, right. but some combination of medication in the first three to five days of, of something not getting better does yeah. help to get that inflammation and that, that muscle spasm down to a point where at the very least you can get into the office to get treatment because based on what John said, you were able to get two treatments, oh, yeah. but you're yeah. not feeling that great yet. And, no. and that's kind of the struggle because... 
you know, treatment will also inflame, right? Because you're doing movements, right. you're doing things. So there needs to be something that, that controls that inflammation component as well. And that's why those things need to work in conjunction. So that's why I told John, have you call in because I want to highlight that point. I think there needs, even if it's just an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory yeah. for now, you should be on something just to help get that, that inflammation down get your pain levels down to a manageable level, where at the very least you're able to move around. Move around and then yeah. doing that in conjunction with the therapy. Now, I think you've only had two treatments. This will take, you know, probably, you know, four to six treatments over two to three weeks for you to feel like you're back to normal. But yeah. as you know, there's no such thing as normal ever again, because as soon as you do the wrong thing again, exactly. it could happen. It but, happens again. Yeah, and, and that's where the rehabilitation, the core strengthening, those things, that's where that's really designed for trying to minimize re-aggravation or um, at least dissipate how you know intense it could be, how frequent it happens, and that's the duration true. that it may last. But that's you know true. that would be my recommendation, is also supplement the treatment you're doing with Dr. Rossi with a little bit of pain meds, um, specifically yeah, anti-inflammatories, maybe a muscle relaxant, um, just so that that way you can get that spasm that's happening down to sure. a manageable level. Well, and, he, did, and, he, he did mention that, by the, by the way, uh, yeah. Dr. Rossi, when I saw him, he said, you know, next time you come in, um, we definitely need to maybe try some, some other things besides the acupuncture. Yeah, for just sure. To manage it better and to make it, you know, easier for you to sort of deal with other deal with the other methods of, uh, of um, yeah. helping your, your treatment, uh, you know, to... to I guess long term instead yeah. of it happening sure. just yeah. now and then whatever. So, yeah, and the, yeah. these things don't happen overnight. Like it's no. especially once you start aggravating nerves. Nerves take nerves. Nerves are not just like muscles. Like if it was just a muscle that's affected, like you know when you go to the gym and you have a delayed onset muscle soreness within twenty four to forty eight hours, right. that tends yeah. to get better. But once you start aggravating nerves, like even just. Um, neuropathic like a neuropathy like a zinger of a nerve can take six weeks to heal just because nerves don't regenerate well which is why when people are paralyzed they remain paralyzed right, right? That's, that's a true. full damage of the nerve but we're not talking about that we're just in this scenario we're talking about pressure but yeah. that would be my recommendation and you know what's okay. a funny fact that i that i want to share with everybody mm -hmm. cammy has known me since i was a little kid because like little little kid little kid because she worked at my pediatrician's office so <laughs> she's been seeing me and my brothers and sisters you know since we were kids so um, yeah, you know and then i met john when we started doing the show and the connection happened so there it's nice go. that finally i can help you cammy Oh, you're the best. You know what? I would recommend, uh, you know, after seeing Adrian a couple of times, you guys are amazing there. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yes. Good. We'll see you later. Well, don't forget coffee. So and bring Starbucks this time, not Tim's. John okay, Scholes, by the way. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what you want, John. Yeah, don't be cheap. There you go. My sister-in-law, Cammie, on the show. Back to your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1122, and we are back. Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have concerns, issues, pain, bring them on. That's what we're here for to talk about till, uh, till 12 o'clock. Tim, thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you? I'm good. What's going on with you? Uh, recently had a knee operation uh, for a meniscus tear. The doctor went in there, finished uh, through the you know, the three holes, whatever. And uh, in the meantime, he, he, when I came out of the recovery, he said he also scraped my knee for arthritis. Okay. Slight arthritis. Uh, since then, that was March 3rd, my knee has been like a football. Uh, he, when I went back to him, he said, well, that's, uh, sometimes that happens. You've got, uh, inflammation, take these pills. Don't take them for more than a week because they'll increase your blood pressure, but it should all go away. Right. Well, it didn't go away. It got worse. I could barely walk on it. 
finally went back uh, two weeks ago. He drained it and shot some cortisone in. And he said, see me in six weeks. Three days later, it was right back to the way it was before. And in the meantime, I was asked by people and physios, they said you should never have gotten your knee scraped. It's the worst thing you can do. Uh, there's been no proven evidence that it does any good. It does, it, it does everything bad. Mm-hmm. It can cause inflammation. Right. And secondly, he says, did they test the fluid that came out? What color was it? I said, it was a, a dark yellow. Mm-hmm. He said, did they test it for infection or a back?" I said, I don't know. He didn't say nothing. He just come see me in six weeks. Right. So I'm at a sort of like a, a I'm puzzled as to what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, well, there, there's a, a couple things here. So, you know, num- number one, did you do therapy right after the knee operation? Yes, I did. Physical, Good. Yep. Okay. So, you know, can can operations not have their intended outcome? Yes, that is always a possibility, right? You can go in and you can come out worse than you went in. That is obviously never the intention uh, of a surgeon, right? They're not. Their intention is not to make you worse. It's to make you better. And everything that they're trying to do is with that in mind. As for as for you know scraping the knee, there's there's a very important concept which is consent to anything that you get done, right? So I'm not sure what the consent process was with you and the surgeon. If you consented to him repairing your meniscus and also maybe you know if he discussed it or he or she discussed it with you previously and said hey when i'm in there if i see that there's arthritis i may go ahead and scrape some of that as well which which he did and i agreed to right okay okay so so already so from from that consent perspective right like that's where we have to think okay and and the consent process involves him or her making you aware of the risks and benefits, right? So so if you're sitting there with the patient, you say, here's what my intention is. If I go in there, I'm going to scrape it, and, and that should help with blah, blah, blah. But it could also cause blah, blah, blah. So He never, says, he never said it could cause anything. He says it will, it will improve your knee. You've got slight arthritis for a 60-year-old. Right. So, yeah, and, and that's a very, very dangerous thing for healthcare professionals to ever be absolute about every, anything, especially when you're dealing with surgery. Because, again, you, you can, he, he or she may be doing hundreds of these surgeries a month and, you know, 99 of them go perfectly as planned because they're low level, not, in, not overly invasive, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you, you don't really care about the stats when you're the one out of 100 that it doesn't go well for. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So now the question becomes, what do you do going forward? I mean, if you had an infection, you I, like, do you have fever or anything like that? Or, or you find, no. okay, so you don't have constant, is there any warmth and redness in the area or is it just swollen? It's, it's very hot. Very hot. Is there any pus coming from it? Anything like that? No, there's no open wounds. There's no nothing like that. But when he drained it, yeah. he drained about 115 millimeters or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I, I grew up in the old math. Right. <laughs> he drew out a lot of water. And right. It was all very dark yellow with a little bit of blood in it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, the color that would be expected. I mean, it's probably not a bad idea to get the fluid tested for any type of bacteria. Sometimes you might just have, yeah, some type of low-level infection in there causing that. Um, you know, if it's not that, I guess my next question would be when you go back or, or go see him sooner is, Hey, what do we do about this? Like this, the, the, the outcome was not what was intended. Should I be going to see somebody else or should we go back in? Should we leave it? Like, what is the plan to just say, see you back in? What was it? Six months, six weeks, six weeks to add to that, to add to that before I got a drain, I went back to my family doctor. 
I showed him what was going on. I told him what my physio guy said. He showed me an article. The physio guy showed me an article about scraping, how it has negative effects mm-hmm. for the most part, no positive. My family doctor said, I tend to agree about the scraping. I'm not a big believer in it. Yeah. However, I've sent a lot of people to this doctor. This is the first time I've seen something go bad. Right, yeah. And I, just, well, and I understand those risks. I, yeah. I totally understand those I, risks. I don't think this doctor had any intention of anything going bad. This Absolutely. is This is just the reality. So I think we can forget about his intention. Like, I, yeah. I think it does no good to, to think about what was his intention, because obviously it was good. Then the question that should be important is, okay, well, what do we do going forward? And, you know, I tend to agree about the scraping as well. Like, there is the research that I've seen. I've seen the same stuff that's not very good. Having said that, I also know people that have had it done and have had great experiences with it. So a lot of these things, the research can suggest, even if you did something where the research said, yeah, you know, 95% of people have this perfect outcome or whatever, you, again, you might fall within that stat where you don't. So, um a lot of a lot of evidence-based medicine uh, is not only what the research is, but what does the doctor's experience tell them to do, and also what does the patient want. And it sounds like the doctor thought it would be a good idea. You agreed to it, so they went ahead, and it's it hasn't had the intended outcome. But we're going to take a break, Tim. Just hang on, and we'll continue talking. Hang on, Tim. Stay there. You as well. Lots of time for you to call in if you have questions or concerns as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Email, by the way, anytime is... Uh, info at paincarecanada.com and one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Dr. Pain Show continues. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 11.31 on Saturday morning. You have plenty of time to call in till uh, just before 12 o'clock here. Talk to, uh, to Dr. Lou. You have pain concerns, health concerns is what we deal with week in, week out here on uh, on the show. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Timmy, thanks for hanging in, pal. Continue yeah. on. Hey, Tim. So, yeah, just to follow up on that. So the only additional uh, information he gave me as he was draining it, I asked him, what if this doesn't work? He goes, well, we just have to keep coming back and draining it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't really care for that option. Right. My fear is my physio guys telling me that if this doesn't improve, you're going to be a, you're going to be a candidate for knee replacement. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would that would be my thought too. Like, if that doesn't improve and there's nothing else that can be done, you know, the other option here is, is seeing another surgeon for their opinion. Now, yeah. the only thing that I will often see is other surgeons don't like to get invo- involved in someone else's mess because that's what I heard. Yeah, because all of a sudden it's like, well, hang on a sec, this has not gone right, hasn't gone to plan, and you expect me to go in and fix it. But it doesn't necessarily need to be something where, well, hey, I want you to fix it. It's more like. What are my options here? I just right. want a second opinion. And I, I would say, like, I would say, come see me for, for an assessment. But I think you can skip that step and just get your family doctor to send you to another surgeon um, and have another opinion. And that's, that was my next step. I had an MRI done last night, another MRI. Right. My family doctor scheduled that for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Uh, this surgeon, to be honest with you, a uh, very bad um, uh, language barrier. He's very difficult to understand. Right. And he just schedules you for uh, for appointments at the hospital, and he has like seventy people lined up, and he's in and out in a nanosecond. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's that, that's all of them. That's not just them, but yeah, Are unfortunately. They all like that? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that that's the problem with our healthcare system here in in Canada. Although we have you know this public system that everyone thinks is so incredible. This the these are the issues that we face is 
is the the amount of people that have to be seen, the long wait times for these things, the inappropriate care, you know, and, and I've talked before on the show where you look at the American system and people will criticize the American system because they'll say, well, there's a bunch of people that don't get health care. And yes, that part is absolutely horrible. However, the people who do have health care coverage, which is the vast majority, have access to the best care in the world because... You know, if I was practicing the States and I thought somebody needed an MRI, you could walk down the street, get that MRI, and I'd have the results in an hour, <laughs> you know, versus here. If I think you need an MRI, uh, we, may, we may be waiting three or four months, depending on. Now, we do obviously have a system in place where if something is urgent, like, you know, mm-hmm. potentially life-threatening, but, you know, potentially oh, yeah. life-threatening, you don't want to ever get to that point where that's when you're being rushed. It would be nice to have these things dealt with quickly so and the, but, yeah the only way you get that done is if you're a hockey player or a basketball player well yeah that, exactly but they're paying for those interventions and so that's a whole other discussion on uh healthcare on healthcare <laughs> a, a political the political side but yeah my, my i think my my best recommendation for you would be you need to get another surgeon's opinion um just to see what they may recommend if, if it sounds like it's the same opinion then you know if they're saying, hey, the only other thing is the knee replacement, I, I think continue trying with the, with the therapy. But it sounds like you're probably doing the right therapy. Um, it just unfortunately, whatever you had done. Some people just don't react well to, to surgery either, right? Like there's even people that get knee replacements and it doesn't go as planned. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I've, heard, I've heard that. Yeah. So basically, you know, they, I might be a candidate or I just have to keep going back, getting it drained, getting it drained, and maybe it might eventually settle down. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's very, very hard to say. You may have to do other things like wearing compression sleeves, things like that in order to keep okay. pressure right. on it. There, there's a bunch of different things that could be done, but is there, it doesn't sound like there'll be a very easy answer. I, but, you know, if you're having a, a barrier with your current surgeon, you're, you're also not getting the answers. I would say in that scenario, a second opinion is warranted. All right. Thank, thank you very much. No problem. You. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate your call. It's never simple, right? That's never simple, gotta, yeah. yeah. And and that's the unfortunate reality of uh, of surgery. It still is like nothing is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and not just surgery. Enter any intervention. You could be doing therapy with someone, and it may not go according to planning. You may actually make people worse. That's one of the things that our therapists, when they're going through the informed consent on something, that's one of the first things that they highlight. It's like, hey, my intention is to help you, right. but I may also make you worse. Now. It is the practitioner's job because there's always a pro and a con. What the practitioner and healthcare professional's job becomes is how do you distinguish who's at biggest risk for the cons, right? So the example being, um, uh, you know, what, what's an example? I can't even think of one right now, but all we're essentially trying to do is determine, you know, it is my job to hear everything about you and then right. determine here's what I think are the best options because of ABC, but you also have this likelihood that you may get worse. However, based on the fact that you're young, that you're healthy, et cetera, et cetera, that's likely odds not Odds are in be. your favor. Exactly. It's always about yeah. the odds. But but anything could go not according to plan. Mm-hmm. That's why informed consent is a very, very important aspect where you have to consent to what's being done to you. And you should understand the risks and the benefits. In fact, it is there it is the the job of the healthcare professional to make to identify those to you if they do not and you're the patient i would encourage you to ask right, right. so so if you're listening and you're you're seeing somebody just always ask hey what are the pros and cons here also another big thing is what are my alternatives 
if I choose not to do this intervention that you're suggesting, what else can I do to help with whatever I have? And that that's the, 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 the plan of management aspect where you're telling someone their diagnosis, their prognosis, the risks and benefits, and also the alternatives that they, they have um, to deal with those things. So if you got all that covered, you should be able to, uh, well, well, you should be able that, that is how you can make an informed decision, right? Right. That's the whole aspect because we have this body of knowledge that just floats around in our head. The, the, the patient in front of us doesn't have that. So you have to do your job to educate them on those things. What is my diagnosis or what is your diagnosis? What is your prognosis, which is how likely you are to recover from whatever this is? What, what is um, the pros and cons of whatever intervention that I'm recommending? What is the intervention, first of all? Right. What are the pros and cons? And what are the alternatives to that? Are there other things that I could be doing, right? So the option may be, hey, you have a meniscus tear. Um, you know, we're recommending surgery to repair it. Uh, here are the pros, the cons. Uh, and an alternative is you can try therapy or you can try, you know, specific types of therapy, maybe acupuncture, sure. maybe physiotherapy. Uh, but then it's, they can tell you that those things are not as likely to work based on such and such evidence. And then going back to what evidence-based care is, is not just what is the research suggest. So it's not just about what is the best, you know, randomized controlled trial suggests. It's also about what is that clinician's experience like? Because some things don't have good evidence, but in practice they tend to work well because the clinician may see that over and over They've been in the trenches again. and they tried it out, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And then the third part, which is the most important, is the patient uh, agreeing to whatever you're recommending. So it, you can have the best research articles, the the clinician's experience could be, you know, recommending, yep, do this. But if the patient says, no, that's not evidence-based medicine, evidence-based medicine needs to include the patient's consent to whatever's being done. More of your phone calls after a wee break, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Got plenty of time right till 12 o'clock to ask your questions. Get some answers from Dr. Payne. Dr. Lewis here until 12. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's 1142, up till 12 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have pain concerns, health concerns, love talking to you, get some uh, answers, get the ball rolling anyway, at least a direction of uh, of where you should be going, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it could be as simple as what we did with Tim, right? Like, I didn't say, come see me. I told right. him, you know, I, I've, I've guided him in the right path. Uh, same, you know, with Cammie when we were speaking with her. Just continue on with therapy, um, it's not always about come see me for an assessment. Now, if you want my, my uh, people do call and want my actual me to be the second opinion, I need to do that in person. I okay. need to see you. And, and a lot of people say, are you the person that's actually going to see me? Yeah, it's, it's going to be me. I will be the one that sees you. Um, but I always recommend the free consultation over the phone first, because let me see that I let, let's make sure that I'm the right person to assess you first off. Right. So Tim is a perfect example. It would just be a waste of money for him to come see me because yeah. my recommendation would have been the exact same after doing a proper history, everything physical exam, I would have said, well, it's a surgical case. You need a surgeon's opinion. That's a second opinion. And, and second opinions are important. I, I don't think people should be afraid to get those. I don't think, I also, I've heard people that say like, oh, you know, I've, I've told my doctor that I want a second opinion and they've threatened to throw me out of their practice or that's, things like that. That's silly. Like, that's just, I don't, I don't even want to get into how silly that is. That's, it is your job as a patient, as, as a consumer of healthcare. If you feel like you deserve a second opinion, go get one. Now, there's some people that want a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh. There, there does come a line where then I could see a, a doctor turning around saying, hey, 
Settle down. Calm down. Like how <laughs> many how many times do you have to hear the same thing? But a second or third opinion, I don't think is is unreasonable, especially. Um, if you've got concerns, if you, if something's not making sense to you, like I always tell people, go based on your gut. If your gut's telling you something doesn't sound right, I need to know more, follow your gut instinct on that. There's a reason why it's called your gut instinct. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Agatha, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, not bad. How are you doing? Okay, what's uh, what's uh, what's your yeah. concern? Okay, I have, I've, I've had gastritis for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, like gut problems? Yep. Yeah. Okay, and I've seen, I've gone to my doctor, I've had a colonoscopy, I've had a gastroscopy, mm-hmm. and um, the last one I had was in 1917, 2017, and two polyps were taken out. Okay. And they were they were, they were benign. Mm-hmm. So I have not been as far as that. But then from since then on, I mean, I've been having problems with the stomach. A lot of pains in the stomach when I get up in the morning, gas and everything like this, so... I'm at my wits, and, and I've been taking the doctor's medication and so on, but it doesn't really seem to be helping me. Yeah. And sometimes with the gas problems, especially particularly in the morning when I wake up, it's always at the same time, around quarter to four when mm-hmm. I'm asleep, when I wake up, and then that problem is on all morning. And um, I've seen, I'm seeing a dietitian. Good. And then with regards to my food, some of the foods, like she's telling me, I should stay away from, like cabbage and all these sort of yep. things. But the whole problem is this, like, I mean, I've, um, I'm not going to give you, uh, I hope my whole problem is this, like, I've been cooking, I'm from the Caribbean, I've been cooking the way my mom used to cook. Right. And she has passed on right now. And I'm not exposed to cooking, you know, different things and so on. So basically she's telling me, giving me, just giving me recipes as for me to follow. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's kind of hard to follow some of the recipes, you know, for me to get away from this, get away from that. Yeah. And basically the main things she's telling me about onions and all garlic and all that, and basically these are the things we have to use in our foods to actually give it taste. So I'm at my wits and I really don't know what I should be doing. Well, okay, so a couple things here. Number one, let's start with when people have issues such as yours. I think the most important, like, again, the, the, the hospitals, the family doctors are going to make sure that, that there's nothing seriously wrong there, which is good. That's what the colonoscopies are for. So you're determined, okay, nothing is seriously wrong, perfect. The next thing for obviously something like gastritis is whatever is in your diet could be affecting um, you know, the way you feel your point about that. You're not accustomed to cooking different things. Th- that That's an internal issue with yourself. Like I, and I, I'm not trying to be rude here, but if someone's recommending that you have to make the change, then you have to make the change. It's the same as when we tell people, um, you know, you, you've got to change the type of exercise that you do. Or you're going to do this. And it's like, yeah, but I've never done, I've never exercised in my life. Well, it's like, well, do you, you need the recommendation to get better. And if the recommendation is you've got to eliminate certain things or cook in a different way, then some of the, the, not some of it, but a lot of, um, the responsibility also falls on you to make those changes, exactly. right? right. Yeah. So, and and that's and, and I'm willing to do that. Yeah, good. And and I'm just trying to be as honest as possible when I because say that. I, I don't mean to be thing, insulting I'm, or rude. I'm not going to keep you. Yeah. 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 The thing yeah. is, just like um, this, they're sending me recipes on 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 the computer. Yeah. And I'm trying to follow some good. of it, you know, which is no, kind of good, you know. Yeah. But some of them are kind of difficult. You have to get certain things, and which I don't know exactly. Yeah. You know. My so. my next question for you, Agatha, is what's your stress like? My stress because of because of the pain. I'm yeah. very stressed out, so, and, I, and I also have anxiety. Good, not good for that. Good only good because of what I'm thinking. Yeah. The one thing that people need to realize about the gut 
is it is very, very, very highly innervated by the nervous system, specifically the nervous system with regards to the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which is what controls our body in terms of fight or flight or relaxation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, in fact, I think think it's almost an epidemic and we just don't realize it. A lot of gut issues are simply related to stress, depression, and anxiety because whatever goes on in your mind is going to be felt throughout your nervous system. And because of how much innervation exists in your gut, you are definitely going to feel it in your gut. And that's why things like irritable bowel syndrome are are now being found out to be very much related simply to stress, anxiety, and depression because of the innervation back to the neurological system and the neurological system being related to your brain. And that's where your anxieties, your depressions, your fears, your stresses, that's where it all happens. So another thing that I often recommend to people that are going through uh, GI issues like you is you need to find a way to manage that stress. Now, that doesn't mean just doing it yourself. The same way you're working with a dietitian for the food stuff, maybe you need to work with uh, a psychologist or a social worker, someone who can help you with the cognitive aspect of everything that you're going through. Because if you can calm down your nervous system, you will likely be able to also calm down the symptoms that you have in your stomach. And what I often tell people is, is think back in your life. Times when you're happy, distracted, and doing things, you probably don't have as many gut issues versus as when you're there sitting, thinking about it, and then all of a sudden your your symptoms flare up because you're focused in on it. And that highlights the example of how important your, um, your mind is and what you feel specifically in your GI system. Okay, I'll tell you once. Okay, I'll just, just make it sure. short. Um, I have a psychiatrist whom I, who, who I see, yep. and he's the one who recommended me to the dietitian. Perfect. So that's right. a good start. What is the psychiatrist doing with you? Is it is it like behavioral type of exercises or is it only medication intervention? Just medication. Yeah, no. So hang tight for after yeah. the break. Let's let's talk a little more. We'll get to that. Thank you, Agatha. Hang on through the uh, the break. If you uh, want to call, you got a few minutes still. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Pancho, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dr. Pancho. Back at it, Agatha. Thank you for uh, for hanging in. Okay, my um, my psychiatrist whom I have, he's a clinic director also. Is a what? Sorry, he's a clinic director. Okay, yeah, that, that's fine. That's cool. So, so here's here's what I want to highlight. Let's let's take an example of, um, okay, let's say being afraid of a dog uh, or of dogs, right? That's that's a a phobia. Now, sometimes certain practitioners will say, well, here, you need some type of depressant to calm you down because you're anxious when you're in those scenarios. Fine. That is all very, very important. But the underlying issue is a cognitive behavioral issue. There's a thought pattern that's happening that creates that stress around that dog. And so you need to have some type of cognitive behavioral intervention that makes you realize that being around dogs isn't as dangerous as you somehow believe in your mind. And so... that does, and, and I use the example of, of a phobia with animals only because it's easier for people to understand. But the same thing exists with whatever you're going through in life, which is just if even if you have generalized anxiety. Sure, the, the medication does help to, to manage it day to day. But if you don't start changing the underlying beliefs in your mind that have developed that anxiety, then all you're ever doing with the medication is just putting a Band-Aid on it to hide it for a period of time. But you need to be involved in some type of cognitive behavioral intervention right. in order to change that thought pattern or at the very least start to make yourself realize how your thought pattern is faulty. And in doing those things, that's how you can truly uh, calm that anxiety down, I think. 
Okay, thanks. Okay. Okay, thank you very no much. No problem. CBT is so important. I know that we talk about it more so, and more every week, but it's I'm so I'm not important. even a psychologist, and I right. talk about it more than anything else almost. Yeah. It's because of how much I believe that that is, that is the underlying cause to everything. Psychological yeah. is the, in my opinion, this, this again, because mm-hmm. I don't have the, the research to support this, but if you ask me to take a guess on what we're going to find out in 50 years, 100 years, is that it's all related to the way you think. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I, sometimes it's incredible when you, you hear stories about, you know, they'll interview someone who's 100. 110 or something and they'll say how'd you get there you know what were you doing and it's like well you know i was uh you know i smoked and and i you know i did everything Egg grease and bacon yeah. and all that good stuff and, and everything's yeah. fine now a lot of that is genetics yes. yes but i also think what's important is what's your belief around what you're doing mm-hmm. the example being you meet a ton of people who smoke cigarettes and versus them now i'm not condoning smoking no. cigarettes i think it's bad but the idea that i'm trying to highlight is you meet some people that say oh this is killing me this is killing me like i need to quit i need to quit versus other people that smoke and say man I don't care. What else? I, it is what it is. I wonder which one is worse, right? Like, I, I don't have, I know what I think the answer is, but I don't have the research to suggest it. But I think even the things around the way you think, the same as, like, people who eat whatever they want to eat and they don't care versus someone who eats what they want to eat but is always thinking, I got to change this, I got to lose weight, I right. got to get back into shape. What is what is putting more strain on your mind? The, the part that you don't care or the part where you do care, where you're contradicting your actions with your beliefs. Right. And I think that's an internal struggle. That internal struggle creates anxiety. It creates stress within the mind. And the mind is going to dictate everything that happens in the body. You know, it's funny you mentioned 100%. that. It's, it, it's, it's off a little bit about what we generally talk about on the show. But I was talking to a friend of mine about that soccer team that was stranded in that cave. Yeah, oh yeah. Miles in. Yeah, and apparently yeah. that teacher that was with him, that soccer coach, was a highly trained monk. Oh, really? And this the, the type of guy that would literally meditate on his own for three, four days at right. a time. So he trained these kids to just, to, to just calm just down. mellow. Absolutely. And that, that, yeah. They say that's I, part of what got I, them through. I didn't even know that. But yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't have the research to suggest on how important. Well, there is some research to suggest, mm-hmm. but I just think what we're going to find out one day is it all comes down to the way you think, your belief systems, and especially when your actions contradict what your deep values are. And that's a big thing. Like, And that doesn't just apply for small things. It applies for relationships. Like, How many people are married to a person that they hate, that they hate everything that that person stands for? Yeah. You're just you're contradicting everything about what is true to yourself. And I think if you can be true to yourself in that regard and you can be honest with yourself and you do, your actions are consistent with your beliefs, that will minimize your stress and anxieties 100% for sure. Teleportation and the Vulcan mind meld. When we get to there, my friend, then we're going. Then, we, then we've reached the uh, you know the zenith of what we could do with our yeah, minds. Absolutely. But uh, sure. again, just uh, before we leave, reiterate, uh, get a hold of you. Why it's so important? How you get us started? Yeah, it's very simple. You can either call one eight five 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 Doctor Lou or email me at info at paincarecanada.com. You can visit the website at paincarecanada.com. You can look through it. You can send me an email directly to there. You can call me. The number is all there. Um, And it's simple. Just give me a call. Send me an email. We're going to get in touch. I like to... You know, if you send me an email, send me your phone number too. You can outline whatever you're thinking in your email. But I'm going to want to call you. I prefer to talk to people versus going back and forth with emails. And again, it's just really to get a sense of um, what's going on. Can I point you in a direction or should you be coming in to see me uh, for an assessment? And so, you know, the gastritis thing is an example. Uh, You know, there's no reason to come see me because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to be able to assess 
the way your stress levels happen or things like that. But sometimes people need help finding those types of professionals. Mm -hmm. We can facilitate that as well because our team is vast and it's all different types of healthcare professionals dedicated to one thing, and that's uh, finding the underlying cause, pinpointing the issues uh, that you have, figuring it out, and making the appropriate recommendations. And again, the consultation doesn't need a seven-page uh, document on your full medical history. No, no, no. It's a no, quickie, no. right? It's, yeah, it's a, qu- it's a consultation. It's like, let, let's talk, let's just see what's kind of going on. It's it, Some people think the consultation is supposed to be in the office and I'm assessing them. No, that's an assessment. Um, it's a consultation. It's It's exactly what happens here for an hour every Saturday, except you can do it at any point throughout the week and not wait till 11 o'clock on uh, on Saturdays. We'll uh, take it from there again. The number one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Don't wait. Give them a call. Drop the email. Make the contact and get it happening. We're taking a week off next week. We'll be back the following week here on the Dr. Payne Show. Once again, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.